in the distance. I can see it. Next aid station. <laughs> <laughs> because I've managed one of my Kev cock-ups and this is a bit of a long-winded one this one um, I was due to meet Chris Stone this morning for the second time because I've already interviewed him and managed to lose the whole podcast having built the thing um, on a technical download issue but we won't go into that because you don't want to know the technicalities of podcasting and I'm clearly the wrong person to teach you any of it so um, and then I managed to arrange a 10 o'clock meeting with him, which is supposed to be two o'clock. So I think old age is really getting a grip now. Um, so I thought rather than waste the time, I'd just download some thoughts while I'm out. Because um, I went on the run anyway, opportunity to get some more miles in. So this little session's just gonna be you and I. I'm currently over on an area called Caesars Camp near Aldershot which is MOD land. It's lovely open heathland which has a large escarpment at the head of it which is the bit I think that's Caesars Camp which has great views all the way to the London and Canary Wharf on a clear day and it just so happens that I'm out here on a very clear day. And as you can hear, I'm working my way uphill. Uh, this is Sandy Heathland. There's the gorse or winds if you're in Scotland. There's just got yellow flowers coming out on it. So there's a hint of yellow everywhere. I'm looking up at the escarpment now. There's a guy silhouetted on a mountain bike, which looks pretty awesome. Would make a good photo. So I'm rambling, literally, on foot and in mind, which brings me to the mind. As I said, I think I'm losing it. And I thought I'd talk a little bit about coping strategies on long ultra runs. And obviously there's a lot of talk about that. Um, on all the forums and podcasts and it's the place where all ultra runners take themselves nobody else leads them there and I think it's probably one of the things that they want to embrace finding out more about themselves what they can do what the mind can do to override the physical aspects of it 
and what the brain is telling you to do. The brain will always tell you to stop, slow down, be sick, feel the pain, and you have to find strategies to compartmentalise that, find ways to do it. Now, a lot of people talk about breaking it down into kilometre by kilometre, aid station by aid station, checkpoint by checkpoint, you know, even tree by tree if it gets very desperate. But it's always a marker, and that marker is setting a point in the brain to say you can get to this next point and then move on, or you can get to the next point and have a treat, get to the next point and have a rest. Yeah, so with ultra running, it's not just about training your body. Obviously, that's a really important thing from the, from the physiology aspect. And uh, also, obviously, you need to be in condition to do what you're trying to achieve. But along the way, you have to train your mind as well to cope with it all. And I think the big thing is with that is that the only way to do it is to push it where it goes further than it thinks you're capable of doing and you reset it. I'm a great believer in the Tim Noakes theory of the central governor in the brain that basically stops you killing yourself by overdoing things. Oh, that's its intention. But it'll also interfere with how far it thinks you can do even interval training, how much your body can take how much your legs, muscles, every part of you can take in a hard interval session. And I think you can reset that. That the only way to do it is to push it where it goes further than it thinks you're capable of doing and you reset it. really climbing now up this uh, escarpment that's Caesar's camp to get to the top of the view. Well, I've reached the top of the escarpment and I can see all the way to London and I can actually see the shard just in the haze out there and that's it makes it sound like I'm near but it's like 35-35 miles as a crow flight so it's an, you can tell what sort of day it is it's amazing so maybe you're all out there I wouldn't blame you if you are. You should be, it's beautiful. Anyway, the brain. Um, if you think back now to the worst place you've ever been in an ultra run, really try and think about that and the experience of it. Because it's quite hard. Well, it's a hard place to go, but it's a hard place also sometimes to remember because the brain also, when you've reset it, doesn't want to know about that and where you've been before and you tend to remember only the joyful bits of the race enjoyable stuff and when you were going well rather than when you were going badly but it's quite good to address that and think about it and know that you've been there
So I would say, address where you're at, who you are, what you've achieved in your mind. And the next time you get into that dark place, out there on an ultra run, push beyond that, cope with it. You know you can do it. You wouldn't be even entering ultra races if you didn't already have the mental capacity and the physical ability to deal with it. It's just that you're taking it to a new level. And I guess at some point we all reach that level. I mean, I've, early on in my marathon running days, I had a few DNFs. And for me, that was all part of the learning curve. Sort of resetting the mind, remembering what that was like. Could I have gone further? And every time I pulled out, it was nothing to do with running out of time, being pulled out at checkpoints. It was all to do with nausea or sickness. Actually, nothing to do with injury either or, or breakdown. Always sickness. I mean, I was never very good at a person at uh, coping with hangovers and <laughs> the next morning anyway, so I used to dread being sick if I got hungover. And I think that's the same thing that's happened for me with ultra trail running. And I've now learned how to cope with that, you know, mainly by getting the nutrition right and when to take nutrition on and how often and what type of nutrition, whole different subject. But I think that also, you know, the, the fuel you put in feeds the brain as well. So you need to get that right. It's part of coping and not running into these areas. That's the other thing actually, that you, you need to prepare fully everything so that you're not meeting that mental struggle you know, it's not just about the physiology, physical aspects of training. You need to address everything. And the longer the ultra, the more difficult the ultra, the more technical the ultra, um, the multi-day stuff, there's so much more to it that you need to get right. So it's just going to get in your way if you don't. So if you're, if you're running long, you need to make sure you've got everything down pat with your kit. Everything works, your shoes are great, you're comfy in them, you know how to deal with blisters because blisters should never put you out of an ultra. Even if you get them, you should know how to take them up, how to deal with them. So, yeah, it's about preparedness for every aspect of it. And yeah, the more you go on and the more detailed they get, so when you get into multi stage racing, which I'm talking like I'm an expert and I've never even done one. I'm preparing for one that you know there's another aspect of kit there that you want to get absolutely right like your sleeping mat sleeping bag what you're going to wear in bed how you're going to keep warm what temperature is it going to be in the camps I've seen some great stuff on the Dragon's Back participants group people asking all sorts of questions about temperatures in the camps which I thought was oh my god that's nerdy just get a three season bag but actually, when I started reading the detail of it, they were talking about the temperatures in the camps at the time of year, looked them up for September, and it was amazing, the stuff that was there, the temperature range. So obviously, coping with it too hot is not too much of a problem. 
but coping with being freezing cold all night and shivering and shivering burns calories and that's energy expenditure that you're not going to have or you're going to have to top up really well in the morning and then go out with little sleep I've seen what little sleep can do to me sleep deprivation is one of the worst things and again that's the mind imagine trying the mind having to cope with no sleep the whole breakdown of the systems that are going on in the brain the wiring uh, is incredible on no sleep so get everything right plan everything out try and eliminate all the factors that are going to cause you any grief or any mind doubts at all you know that's coming back to being in control of everything that you can be in control of controlling the controllables you know there's nothing you can do about the weather you know what the course is you've been set the course you know if you get lost map reading that's your problem it's all got to be learned and dealt with so that you're going into that with a clear mind that you know how to cope that you've got all the right kit you've done all your training you know the routes you know how to read a map and a compass you know your nutrition strategy you know how you're going to get water back on board in the middle of the mountains if it's dry in September if you thought that one through so get all those things together and it will take a lot of weight off the mind when you actually get to that point where it's just physical pain of it all that's draining the mind in fact you're probably just making more capacity for the mind to be able to deal with all the issues you've got I realise this is a bit of ramble, but we're just having a friendly chat. So if you're looking to enter your first ultra, and hopefully you've run marathon distance, or at least done some 20 mile training runs, and know what that feels like, your strategy and the pain that you may go through is no different to somebody running a 100 miler or even a multi-day event because they as you will be setting out into the unknown running a distance they haven't done before unless of course they, they have done 100 miler but I'm talking about people who are just starting out at whatever distance or whatever endeavour ultra running marathon wise they're, they're planning taking on so again you need to be prepared and know how you're going to cope and it isn't just a case of throwing a few gels, a few extra gels in that you might have done doing your marathon or your 20 mile training run. You need to be thinking about proper food. You know, this terrain, one, you're off road. Two, there's probably more elevation, far more elevation than a mar road marathon. You're gonna be walking more. So you're gonna be out there longer. You know, typically you might 30 mile or 30 odd mile is gonna take you six, six and a half hours or more. So you need to be prepared with food 
to cope with that distance and of course water. Yes, there are checkpoints. And that's another thing you need to consider as checkpoints and aid stations. How you work, work through those and you don't know how they work in an ultra until you do them. They're all very supportive. You can be overwhelmed with what you're gonna eat and tuck into. Especially if there's chairs to sit down or somewhere to sit in the dry and you can spend far too long there. And that's a mental drain as well. I'm not saying don't get some rest if you need it, but watch the mental drain side. beautiful sunny spring morning jogging along lovely trails on my own in theory chatting to you and it leads me to think about the loneliness of a long distance runner and it's a strange title really for ultra runners because I think many of us are happy being on our own solitude, being with ourselves, not having to listen to Kev talk in your ear. There's definitely a feeling of being part of the planet and the earth that we live on. But, you know, I'm not into like Zen Buddhism or any of these things. You know, I'm not a yoga knitter, but I do think that most of us run to be in touch with ourselves, not just nature and where we are within it. And it's, uh, you know, thoughts, your thoughts go all over the place, run with uh, your family, your friends, you know, your children. All these things go through when you're going along. But in effect, you are still being selfish. You're running for yourself and you're learning about yourself. And I think that's really important that we all do that. And it makes us better people. And that makes us better people towards other people, which has got to be a win-win. A friend of mine, well, I've mentioned him before, Dave Steele, he had a company in business management and they had a slogan that was, or a tagline, that was your future, your choice. And I think that sums it up. It's all down to you. You make these decisions. You know, I could have got in the car today, having missed Chris, cocked up the uh, timings and just gone home. But I tell you what, even if it was chucking it down with rain, I'd have gone out because that's just what I do <laughs> and what a lot of us do and uh, I think that's something very very special and something that I want to hang on to for as long as possible. So here we are in the spring, March, early March. I think in, I started this podcast January 15th. I think in the first episode I asked 
what you're all doing, what your plans were. You know, with COVID on, it was difficult to plan anything out. But hopefully, now things are changing in the population and the landscape out there in COVID terms with the vaccinations. Program going really well in the UK. We might be moving nearer to actually doing some races. So hopefully, you've got something entered for this year and you're getting together with your plans and you're thinking about what you're going to be doing and I just thought I'd catch up with you hope you're doing it you've done it you've entered if not look one up and do one sorry I'm been climbing again and uh, that leads me on really to the specificity of training and thinking about the event you've entered and the type of train you're going to be running it on and making sure that you're building into your training plans some specific work that copes with that terrain you know and if it's a long flat run next to a river or canal do it on that because you that is just as mind-numbing <laughs> leg zapping as anything else running on one level for mile after mile is very hard work there's no break you know even if you're taking walking breaks you don't really break your actual stride pattern the movement through the ankle knee hip it's all the same you're not doing much directional changing either the reverse side of that of course if you're running something more technical with forests through tree roots lots of uphill downhill or in the mountains or rocky technical terrain obviously you need to practice on those but there are lots of ways to adapt if you live in the flatlands and you can't get the mountains in you need to do you know pick out your nearest slope hill steps car park multi-story car park anywhere that you can get in your stairs in your house if you have to but make sure you're doing some of that load bearing lifting work that's going to get you up there I mean I've I've had to train in the house before now on the stairs and I've taken the stairs as fast up and down in terms of foot movement, footfall, you know, stepping quickly off the steps on the way down, which is much more scarier than going up your stairs at home. Um, but that quick, rapid foot movement really does dial into the brain again, back to the brain, the uh, movement that you're going to need on the trails. The other side of that is, you know, you really have to make sure you're planning out that you're not just doing all hill work you need to vary it up mix up with your tempo runs I'm not a massive advocate of speed work for ultra runners I believe that all of us have an element of speed it's the flight or fight response and that you know if you really need to put in a burst of speed and the only reason you need to do that is if you're being chased by a 
a dog, a cow or a bear or you're sprinting for the line at the end of your ultra and I guess there are some of the competitive instincts so deeply ingrained that they would be doing that but that will come anyway basically you'll give what you've got left you don't need to train for it and you know I am talking about off-road ultra marathon running I'm not talking about marathon running on road or any distance shorter than a marathon on road where obviously speed work has its place I've talked a lot about the solitude of ultramarathon running and training and uh, the mind on this little jaunt that I'm on at the moment with you. Um, but I should also talk about when you're in a race, buddying up with people, joining into groups that are going to help you cope and get through. And I think there are very few of us ultra runners that wouldn't want somebody with them or wouldn't help somebody out or encourage somebody if they needed it on the run and you shouldn't be afraid of getting involved with people out there that'll help you get through it's all part of the camaraderie of the events normally there is a responsibility on the door to make sure anybody in distress gets helped anyway but you know, I tend to think there's distress that anybody who's even just having a bit of a whinge about blisters or feeling sick, you know, any encouragement to keep them moving, keep them getting towards the target that you're both going for. So don't be afraid to get involved. And we've all been there and at some point in your ultra marathon running career, you'll be in a position where you can help somebody. You know, this sport isn't all just about selfishness of running on your own or being with yourself or understanding yourself better. I'm now running in the most fantastic mountain bike area on the trail um, and this is another thing I don't know whether you can dig these areas out in woodland or forest or well we've even got a, a BMX track that I've used while the kids can't use it for hill training and uh, I ran about five miles there yesterday up and down all the kids humps and bumps that they use for the BMX in and it's only you know it's a short area it's about the size of a football pitch or something um, and two routes on it with various degrees of slope all going uphill and the downhills are just amazing so you know if you can look out some areas what you normally find is if you've got any woodland the mountain bikers will have found it and made some trails through it and they are brilliant 
one word of warning, don't get in the way of a mountain biker. Always have your wits about you, looking up and down the slopes, a bit like skiing, but it is a brilliant way of getting hill working in an area where you may not have that many hills. You just have to do loads and loads of repeats. But you know, that's all part of the mental dealing with things as well and the mental aspect and coping strategies. So just get out there, find the space and do it. Stop procrastinating. <laughs> I'm coming to the end of my little training run today and I'll end up doing just over five miles or something which has been very pleasurable, nice and easy and that's the other thing about ultra running training is remembering that everything doesn't have to be hard and that you're going to spend a lot of time walking. The further it goes the more mountainous, mountainous it is the more walking you're going to do. So don't be afraid to get out there and go slowly and walk. Just walk for a long time. Anyway, I'm getting to the end, as I said, of my little run. And I uh, hope you've enjoyed this little chat. Not really the normal aid station podcast. But what the hey? It's a beautiful day, as the song says. And uh, it's been a real joy to chat to you. And that's how sad I am. Look, I can't even go out for a run on my own without having somebody to chat to. So, keep running, enjoy your running. Have a fantastic time this year with what ultra running we can get in. And look forward to seeing you on the trails. This is Kev saying bye for now. station. Mm-hmm.